Testing, testing. This is Indy Angela's boyhood. So I'm rolling. Okay. Hello and welcome back to Indy Angela's boyhood. I am Jesse Bob Harper. This is a place where I tell tales, have guests, tell stories, talk about having been born and raised in Indiana, but really feeling as if I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, We have, as maybe some of you have noticed, maybe not, been on an extended hiatus from the program. Uh, I had taken a break uh, because life got in the way and job and other such uh, essentials of life, and it was hard to get back into it. Uh, wanted to really figure out what I'm doing with this podcast, why I'm doing this podcast. Uh, many people will tell you it's only because I like to hear myself talk, which is not far from the truth. Um, but I am back. I hope you give us a chance, listen to a few of the episodes. It'll probably take us some time to get back into the production, get back into the groove, get back having guests. Uh, we're going to start and kick off by having a few short episodes, see how we do, see how we like it, see what we need to tweak and change and edit, and keep plugging along and moving forward and see what this podcast actually turns into or evolves into. Uh, I am coming to you from Indiana after having spent, uh, previously I had spent the bulk of my adult years in Los Angeles, but now I've been back in Indiana for almost a decade or a little over a decade. So it's the perspective of having moved from Indiana at a very young age and really spent my 20s and 30s uh, in Los Angeles and uh, what I did, who I met how I survived, what I was attempting to do, what I wasn't able to do, and what I am doing now. Uh, Just a perspective on, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, as everyone says, uh, it is a city of people not from there, uh, which is sort of a misnomer or sort of a myth. Uh, I knew a lot of people who were born and bred in Los Angeles, but uh, it is a city full of people from other parts of the country and the world. Uh, some of my best friends in Los Angeles were uh, from Ireland or St. Louis or Long Island, New Jersey, so uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and uh, I talk about those events that we experienced together. I talk with them about those events we experienced together. And I talk with people I grew up with in Indiana. And uh, I've been thinking lately, uh, because I don't now have a dog Uh, I don't know exactly why I don't have a dog, Um, but growing up, we always had dogs, uh, usually dogs and cats, and when I moved back for a brief period, I did have a dog. Uh, I never had a dog in Los Angeles, uh, but uh, growing up, dogs, as with many families and many families in the Midwest, uh, a dog was always a part of the household. And so we had gone through many dogs, and uh, I have been reminiscing about that, and I miss having a dog. Uh, I don't know exactly why I don't have one other than probably a space issue, but uh, I am very grateful for the dogs we did have growing up, uh, the dog I had most recently, 
And so I want to just talk about that a little bit with you if I can. I had been back in Indiana for just about a year, I think. I still can't tell you after being back here for 10 years and having spent a lot of time thinking about it, I still can't tell you why I came back. I guess I guess after 22 years in LA, I had become disenchanted, resentful, jealous, and single. I was familiar enough with life by that time to know that those gnawing feelings of being incomplete and unsuccessful would follow me wherever I went. But at least the cost of living in Indiana made living with those feelings a little easier, at least cost-effective. And Indiana really was the only other place besides Los Angeles that I had any history with. When I finally left LA, I chose Indiana not because I considered it home, even though I was born and raised here, nor because I felt particularly connected to the place. I came back to Indiana simply and only because I was familiar with it. There is a muscle and emotional memory that can be called upon to get you through those kinds of days when you're too busy being depressed that you don't know what you're supposed to do next. There's something to be said for familiarity, whether it's good or bad. There's something reassuring about it. For that first year back in Indiana, I was doing what I guess most people do when they think, they hope, they believe that they are starting over, if such a thing is even possible, doing what people do when they have given up on doing what it is they were trying to do for so goddamn long, when they are trying to give up what it is that they had wanted to become. That is to say, I was just trying to figure out what the hell to do next. The hardest thing, the hardest thing to let go of is the life you had imagined you would be living. One morning, not long after the first year back, while driving down one of those classic Indiana two-lane highways with cornfields on either side, out of the corner of my eye, something caught my attention. I looked over just in time to see two small dogs on the shoulder trying to cross this rather busy highway. It was obvious to me, even passing by at 50 miles per hour, that these two dogs were on the lamb, on the run, and they had nothing to lose. I felt an immediate kinship. Up to that point, I had created, as much through accident as through intention, of building a life where I had nothing to lose. I pulled my truck over, turned around, and got out to see if I could be of some assistance to these two runaways. As much as for myself as for the dogs, really, because the last thing I wanted to see was a couple of dogs getting hit by a car speeding along at 70 miles an hour. I know me and I know that a scene like that would have bothered me in perpetuity. Plus, really, I had nothing else to do with my day. Now one of the, one of the dogs, what appeared to be, to me, a full-blooded Welsh corgi. I know this because the only pure-blood dog I have ever been partial to are corgis. I think it's because they remind me of me. They're Welsh, they're short, 
and they have these big torsos resting upon those short little legs. That could have been my profile on Match.com. The other one, now, he was the suspicious one of the pair. He was a mutt. He looked like a cross between a basset hound and a beagle. Shifty, nervous eyes. He had a scarred ear. The unnatural cynicism of one who has been hurt before. Not a born cynic. Whereas the corgi attempted to come up to me with what, I swear to God, appeared to be a smile. The mutt, he kept his distance. He growled. He bit in the air in a show of toughness, which is exactly how I would have behaved. Posturing, putting on a show. Being cynical and suspicious allows so little space to accept help. And what appeared to be a show of unity with his surly compatriot, the corgi would never get close enough to me to allow me to get a hold of him, to pick him up, to put him in my truck. Neither of them had a collar on, so I called the local animal shelter. Maybe they could corral the two and get them reunited with whomever it was who was missing them, if there was anyone, in fact, missing them at all. Now, before the shelter people could get there, the two had run off down the shoulder and into a culvert. I am sure the mutt had convinced the corgi to make a break for it. Now, I thought about those two. Honestly, mostly the corgi all day. Were they still out there somewhere? Did they get hit by a car? Did they return home? Had they been found by the people from the shelter? My curiosity or my longing for companionship got the better of me. And that evening, I went to the animal shelter to see if they had been found. And sure enough, there they were, still together, sharing a kennel, which, which was nice. The procedure is, the procedure is if a dog is found without a collar, that dog has to be held for seven days before it can be adopted. The thought being that the owner has that long to claim the dog. Now, what kind of an asshole do you have to be for it to take seven days before you realize your dog is missing or to even care? I don't know. But those were the rules. So I impulsively gave my name and phone number and said, if that corgi, if that corgi is still here in seven days, give me a call. I never got that call, but I went back after the seven days anyway. The corgi was gone, but his partner, that shifty little big-eared mutt, was still in the cage, now alone. If God wants me to have a dog, he'll put a dog in my life. That's something I used to say to myself and to others whenever the subject of the fact that even though I have always connected with dogs, loved dogs, needed dogs, but didn't have a dog would come up. The translation of that sentence, if God wants me to have a dog, he'll put a dog in my life, really is, look, man, I don't even know if I really believe in God or if he cares if I have a dog or not. It just sounds like a cowboy way of saying, yes, I want a dog, but I'm afraid of the responsibility of a dog or of anything that would depend on me for its existence. I have always been lucky in being able to find the cowboy way of masking my fear, insecurities, and sadness. Jesus, I love John Wayne. Anyway, truth be told, it was never even the responsibility of having a dog, but more the permanency of that responsibility. I mean, 
I am a guy who over my lifetime has held dozens of jobs for less time than it takes to get your first 15-minute break. I once worked at a Starbucks for literally 25 minutes. After 10 minutes, I know all of the exits from any situation, physical or emotional. But I took that mutt home anyway, that Bassett-Beagle mix. At first, I think it was only the guilt of seeing him in that cage alone. His feigned independence was heartbreaking. The lady at the shelter said I could bring him back if it didn't work out. Exit number one. As I walked out of the shelter with him, I was thinking if this little guy refuses to get in my truck or if he barks all the way home, I'm just going to turn around and hand him back over. Exit number two. I really didn't have time to house train some runaway dog, and I didn't even know if he had ever had a family or lived in a house, and I sure as hell didn't have the time to potty train some middle-aged dog. Exit number three. Well, he got right in the truck. He didn't bark the entire way home or at all, and he knew exactly where and when to go to the bathroom. I called him maybe for obvious reasons. Maybe I'll keep him, maybe I won't. Eventually, someone suggested I change his name to probably. Up until that time, the time maybe came to live with me, I really didn't know if I was going to be staying in Indiana or not. I couldn't think of any real reason not to leave, and I couldn't think of any real reason to stay either, but now that I had a dog, at least a roommate that was a dog, I really didn't feel like going through the hassle of traveling with a dog, moving with a dog. He got real used to my pad real fast. His acceptance of my home and his place in it, of his situation, helped me accept mine. So I stayed, and he was the perfect dog for me in every way. He never barked unless absolutely necessary. He could have cared less about anything, including me, other than food and affection. He didn't want to play. He didn't want to run. Didn't care at all about other dogs. Food and affection. That's it. I learned a lot from that dog. He only ever saw what was right in front of him and either accepted it or rejected it without a further thought. Because maybe moved in, I did stay. And because I stayed, I met the perfect woman, the perfect woman for me. I spent 22 years in L.A. searching for a whole bunch of something I could never put my finger on and came back to Indiana and found the perfect pair when I wasn't even looking or trying. Now, my lady wasn't the biggest fan of maybe. I can't blame her either. He was dirty, lazy. Actually, actually, he was quite dumb when it comes right down to it. But she knew just how much he meant to me. And one year at Christmas, she gave me a framed picture of him taken while he was looking into the side view mirror when his head was sticking out of the back seat of a car. And he is staring directly into the camera, directly at me. I never truly, truly knew what a gift was meant to be until that moment. I'm looking at the photograph as I write this. Maybe is now gone these three years, but I sometimes think that I actually believed if God wants me to have a dog, he'll put a dog in my life.
Well, I want to thank you all if you did listen to the podcast and welcome back to Indie Angela's Boyhood. We are going to start by producing and putting up some shorter editions of the podcast, helping us get back into the groove, into the rhythm. And as we move forward, I hope to extend each episode, make them a little bit longer, add guests. I hope you subscribe. I hope you liked what you heard. You can always send me an email if you want me to talk about anything that interests you that is of Indiana and or Los Angeles. Or if you just want me to talk about myself, I can do that as well. That's one of my favorite pastimes. So until next time, thanks again for returning for this re-inauguration of Indie Angeles Boyhood. I hope you will continue to listen, and as we move forward, I hope to be putting up a new podcast every week. So thank you so much, and until next time.